Hello and welcome to the Archbishop's Corner. This is where we meet each week to talk with Hartford Archbishop Leonard Blair about faith, morals, the life of the church today, and how the gospel makes sense in an ever-changing world. This is where we go to find the answers to our lingering questions about the teachings of the church, living the faith life of a Catholic in contemporary society, and developing a stronger relationship with God. I'm Father John Gatzak, with many questions that you and I will ask Archbishop Blair as he responds to what matters to you in the Archbishop's Corner. Think for a minute about the people in your world. What do they think of your commitment to them? How would you rate your faithfulness? Does your loyalty ever waver? Do you have one person with whom your contract is non-negotiable? Once two friends were fighting together in a war. The combat was ferocious and many lives were being taken. When one of the two young soldiers was injured and could not get back to the trenches, the other went out to get him against his officer's orders. He returned mortally wounded, and his friend, whom he had carried back, was dead. The officer looked at the dying soldier, shook his head, and said, It wasn't worth it. The young boy, overhearing the remark, smiled and said, But it was worth it, sir, because when I got to him, he said, Jim, I knew you'd come. Make the most of your relationships. Follow the advice of Benjamin Franklin. Be slow in choosing friends and be even slower in leaving them. It is here, in the Archbishop's Corner, where Archbishop Leonard Blair leads us to the knowledge that will help us make the most of our relationships, yes, with one another and also with God. So thank you, Archbishop Blair, for leading us into the Archbishop's Corner to show us the way into a closer relationship with God and with one another. How are you doing? Well, like everybody else, I'm... Uh holding my own here, trying to uh, do the best we can under today's circumstances. But I can't really complain when I think about how many people really have much, much more serious problems and challenges than I do. Well, before we get into some of the challenges that we're all facing, let's talk a little bit about what today is, because today, in dealing with the impact of COVID-19, that it has on our daily lives, today is National Graduation Tassel Day. And we especially think of those 2020 graduates who will not be able to walk across a stage to receive their diploma. This day is normally filled with celebrations of the academic achievements of the graduates throughout the country. But this year, celebrations will have to be virtual. Do you have any words of reassurance for those who are missing out on such an important milestone? Well, I would say that, of course, the uh, celebration is uh, important normally in life. But far more important is the accomplishment uh, and the completion of a course of study that will benefit a person for the rest of their life. And at the time, this is uh, very painful for many, understandably. But I suppose when you look back at it in the whole course of a life, you realize that the most important thing was all the education, the friends, the socializing, all the interaction, the things that you did in, in high school or college that will remain with you. Uh, in the Archdiocese, I know for Catholic schools, uh, I believe we're going to be having a kind of um, online graduation, virtual, I guess you'd call it, or mm -hmm. something along those lines, uh, that will, for our high school students, that will, 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 will be a, a fitting way. I mean, there are a lot of places doing this, and uh, I know that uh, our offices are working on something that we, we can do. I believe that they... Now, I hope I'm correct about this, that they were asking if I or, and or Bishop Betancourt could record a, a message that could be part of this 
for our graduates. And uh, uh, we are, you know, this year we were planning to make a change in our high school graduations uh, to include a mass. Um, but th that's all been uh, thrust aside now by the circumstances in which we find ourselves. But anyway, I want to congratulate all of our graduates, the graduates, their parents, their families, and, um, you know, wish them well in the, all that they do. Well, today is also World Telecommunications Day, and it's a day to highlight the importance of communications and how information travels across the world. Also aims to increase awareness of how crucial communication is in our lives. And actually, more than ever, the ability to communicate through the Internet has been vital in keeping families in touch with one another and businesses running from home. How has the Archdiocese been managing during this time? For instance, has technology made it possible for employees to work from home for the Archdiocese? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we have a, a very large number of employees that are, are working from home. Uh, and, of course, communications has made all the difference. Imagine if we were in a pandemic and all we had was our rotary telephone to call mm. one another. That would uh, may be very, very difficult indeed. But, you know, I participated in any number of these Zoom calls, you know, where it's like the old Hollywood Square show where everybody's yeah. got their little box on the screen and you can see one another and talk. And, and the computer makes it possible for people to work at home. Obviously, the interaction of people is important, too. We're not all just, uh, you know, isolated uh, automatons. So we look forward to the day when we're back together. But uh, a lot can be done. And in our schools, too, of course, uh, student learn all of our seminarians who are here at the Pastoral Center, uh, have been taking their courses from their various seminaries online, even the ones from Rome. Uh, they have to get up particularly early in the morning, uh, but uh, that's made a huge difference. Tomorrow is National Visit Your Relatives Day. So many families have been unable to see each other for months now, but with today's technology, as we've just been saying, we're able to communicate with loved ones through multiple platforms, whether it's a regular phone call or a face-to-face -face live chat on the computer, making time for family is very, very important. For those listeners, Archbishop, who currently are living alone or unable to see their loved ones, what words of encouragement can you offer them in order to help them cope? Well, I can only imagine how difficult it must be for people, uh, particularly of a certain age, and maybe they don't have many relatives or connections uh, in some cases, not certainly not all, but uh, I know that we've very much encouraged our parishes, and I've heard of wonderful stories of how pastors and, and uh, parish workers have been reaching out to their parishioners with phone calls, with uh, videos, with all kinds of uh, ways of, of uh, helping. And that's a, that's a, a grace, a blessing uh, in the midst of these challenges. All of us, whatever our situation is, we have to uh, spend some time gathering our thoughts and in prayer and uh, thinking about some of the important things of life uh, and uh, and about uh, the things of God. It's an opportunity that we can use as well as a kind of a problem, you know, or crisis. On Thursday, we would normally celebrate National Waitstaff Day, which is normally a day that restaurant managers and patrons recognize and express their appreciation to waitresses and waiters. With restaurants closed for two months now, some wait staff have even lost their jobs, like so many others throughout the world. Do you have any advice for those listeners who are currently out of work, struggling to pay their bills? Well, that's a tough one, because when you are out of work, and you, especially if you have responsibilities to other people in your home or whatever, this is very, very difficult. 
I've told the priests and and uh, for the archdiocese too that when all is said and done and this is over, the one thing that will be remembered most is charity. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you right now, we are looking at ways to see how we can make further contributions from the Catholic people, that is to say, from the archdiocese, which is only going to be possible because of the generosity of the Catholic people, but to, to make further donations to the, all those many uh, local charities that we help, particularly uh, or specifically with regard to like uh, food banks, uh, soup kitchens and shelters and things like that. At this point, I can't say for sure exactly how or, or what we're going to be able to do, but I determine that we we have to uh, increase, you know, contributors to the Archbishop's Annual Appeal know that that we spend over a million dollars a year in contributions to local charities, 220-some local charities. And they're very much on my mind these days, as they would be on all of our donors' minds. Uh, so we're, we, we, we're going to make the real effort to do what we can to help them. And while we're talking about that, I might say that, put in a little plug for support for the parishes, but uh, I, and I have heard from several parishes uh, that the parishioners are really supporting their parish, uh, parish, even though they're not able to go to Mass. That's I'm very grateful for that. And I must say, too, that the Archbishop's Annual Appeal, I was uh, fearful of the worst. But while we're not where we were last year at this time, I think we're doing pretty well. And uh, uh, that's only because uh, the, the donors, our parishioners, our people are continuing uh, to find that they're able to make a contribution uh, through the mail, obviously, or online. And I'm extremely grateful for that. That's one of the reasons why I feel we can really stretch ourselves to try to make some additional contributions to our local charities right now. Uh, we've already made them, I think, for this year's uh, annual appeal, uh, you know, the 2019, I should say. But now for 2020, we, we'll see what more we can do uh, in this interim period. Don't you find that because all of us are in the same boat together, we're all feeling the pain of this pandemic, that we have much more compassion for our brothers and sisters who perhaps are in worse shape than we are. And if we can possibly muster a donation, that's what we want to do to help others who are even worse off than, than, than we are. Yes, well, I think people are being generous to one another. Yeah. And obviously some people are suffering and they, they're not knowing where their next uh, money for uh, their bills is going to come from. And for that, we have to be very sympathetic and, and as helpful as we can be. Uh, but any, but there are also a significant number of people that are doing okay, you know, and don't have that uh, immediate threat. And so we, uh, we all need to support one another. We're going to talk more about what this pandemic means for us. And uh, I want to ask you what steps we're taking to, to perhaps open up as, as we get closer to the, the date of May 20th that the governor has said there will be some possibility of, of opening up the state. But first, we've got several questions that have been submitted by our WJMJ listeners. But before we get to those questions, we'll take a look at our gospel reading for today on this 17th day of May when the church celebrates the sixth Sunday of Easter. We're still within the Easter season, and our reading for today is taken from the 14th chapter of John's Gospel. And after this dramatic presentation, we'll uh, ask you for your thoughts, Archbishop. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Help us understand what is being said here in the Scripture passage. Well, I think it uh, dovetails... uh, (laughs) That fits too with the symbolism of the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? It dovetails yeah. with the, with the uh, what we were just saying a moment ago about uh, you know the Pope's phrase. Uh, it's like salad ser- served with the oil of persecution, because Jesus says the Spirit of Truth, and by the way, truth is an extremely important uh, thing to talk about, because uh, today uh, there are many many in the world who either claim or live as if there's no such thing as absolute truth. Uh, And therefore, there really isn't truth. Jesus says that the the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and he says, whom the world cannot accept. Uh, And that is the connection with the oil of persecution, because the world does not accept it. And uh, so, you know, Jesus once said, if everybody speaks well of you, that's a woe. And if people speak ill of you because of the Son of Man, then you are blessed. And uh, so it's the Holy Spirit, first of all, who enables us to to know the truth. And remember what Jesus said there, too. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we know, too, that that work of the Holy Spirit is not just individually, but corporately in the church, uh, to lead the the church into all the truth uh, in teaching and witness. And uh, if we do that... Uh, then uh, we will be different uh, than some people. Uh, We will uh, undergo a contradiction in this world. Jesus is very uh, both consoling and also very challenging. You know, he says, you're not going to be left orphans. Uh, And he he pledges, you know, this closeness uh, from the Father uh, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, But he also says, there is a test of your love for me, and that is that you keep my commandments. Not that you have just some sentimental idea of religion, you know, that, uh, oh, the sweet Jesus that blesses the nice things yeah, and all, yeah. uh, but uh, that you you will uh, you will keep my commandments. And what commandments um, is he referring to specifically then? Well, the commandments are all those, uh, as Jesus said, he had not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So, yes, there's the Ten Commandments, uh, and then, the, but transformed uh, by the law of grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and uh, everything uh, we read about in the in the New Testament, and everything that the Church on that basis uh, has taught, as we find in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, about the life of virtue, and a renunciation of vice, and about uh, the moral life. A life in Christ is what the Catechism calls it. It's not just about moralism. Uh, or just some kind of outward uh, conformity, but it's about uh, the the law of Christ, the 
uh, the way of life uh, that is informed by uh, faith, hope, and love. Archbishop, before we get to some of the questions that our listeners have submitted, I have a question for you regarding something that occurred this past week on CBS, a CBS broadcast, a special primetime showing of its popular midday game show, The Price is Right. There was a celebrity contestant who was RuPaul, who was the host of his own show called RuPaul's Drag Race. He's a famous cross-dressing entertainer. And as a Price is Right contestant, he selected the nation's top abortion provider, Planned Parenthood, as his charity to benefit from his winnings. Well, as a result, CBS will pay almost $100,000 to Planned Parenthood, which just reported taking a record number of lives in its last annual report, performing 345,672 abortions, the highest number of abortions ever in a single year. Planned Parenthood also reports almost $2 billion in net assets and in the last reporting year received $616.8 million in funding from U.S. taxpayers. What's your thought about this? Here we have CBS on a game show, The Price is Right, and the contestant taking his winnings and donating it to the nation's top abortion provider, Planned Parenthood. Well, abortion uh, remains uh, the great uh, moral issue. Um, I mean, there are others, as we this discussion has taken place, uh, even more recently with the Bishop's Conference. But yes, there are many, many uh, moral issues that the Church is very concerned about. And when I say the Church, I mean uh, I, to, to intend believing Catholics who take their faith seriously and all people of goodwill but taking this, the most fundamental human right, the right to life, uh, remains a great priority. And uh, it's, this, it's really a commentary on our times and on our society uh, that, um, that this should be the case. Uh, I, you know, especially during a pandemic when, when lives are being lost and we, we, we lament the threat to human life, it's very hard to imagine that there's some still working day and night to uh, snuff out the lives of the unborn. We get upset, rightly so, with the 80,000 COVID-19 lives that have been lost to this virus. But it seems to me a little bit inconsistent that we don't get upset with the 345,672 lives that have been lost through abortion. Well, I know, uh, but I don't think, well, I wouldn't say that we don't get upset because there are many, many people of goodwill and even an increasing number of them who who do not approve of our uh, abortion on demand uh, society. Mm. Uh, so there are consciences that are sensitive, uh, and I would just say we need to keep working insistently, soberly, uh, tirelessly um, to to change this uh, this uh, grave injustice, this grave uh, taking of of a, of a human life, and also as always the church insists that we also need to be very, very solicitous for the uh, for pregnant women who are in dire circumstances. Uh, you know, the current Right to Life program of the American bishops is about accompanying the mother, um, about uh, what we can do to help uh, women in this situation, uh, to do everything we can to help them uh, to uh, give birth to, the, birth to their child and help them. So that's the other side of this coin that I think uh, is very important. We have a question submitted from Lily from Milford, and Lily says, 
Since I have many relatives in Italy, I have been closely following the coronavirus situation over there. They have announced that churches will be reopening with specific rules that must be followed, such as disinfecting hands prior to receiving communion and keeping space inside churches at all times. I am still fearful of my elderly grandparents going to church again, as I know they will be the first ones at the door once their church reopens. Does the Archdiocese of Hartford have a plan yet on what will happen when churches with large parishes or small buildings reopen? Yes, Lily. Well, it's the most timely question of all that could be asked. Um, even as we speak, I have uh, things are changing. The governor here in Connecticut, Governor Lamont, uh, has been hearing from the uh, faith community about reopening. Uh, he's been uh, respectful and open to, to that message. Uh, even as uh, we, as I speak, uh, there are uh, efforts being made and plans being considered for how faith communities can open up worship. The Diocese of Bridgeport, our neighbor, has already uh, made provision for a lot of outdoor masses. I have appointed a committee of our of pastors uh, to present to me uh, a plan for reopening. And I can just say that at this point, that obviously we have to follow the, the guidelines. Right now, we are permitted to have as many as 50 people uh, at, at one time. And it's on that basis that I'm thinking perhaps we will begin with weekday masses in church and everybody will be uh, uh, dispensed from the Sunday obligation. I don't want anybody, particularly elderly people, to feel a torn between fear of going to church and fulfilling their Sunday obligation. So it will be voluntary. We have to can, uh, maintain the numbers that the, the, uh, the social uh, uh, guidelines pr permit. And we have to take a lot of precautions about social distancing, about disinfecting, particularly about how to receive Holy Communion properly, or properly in the sense of, uh, in a way that uh, is, uh, respects the health concerns. Those things are all being uh, considered at the moment. Some people were concerned that if, if Bridgeport goes forward with something and we don't do the same right away, that uh, people are going to make uh, bad comparisons. But I have to say, honestly, uh, at this point, I'm willing to, to put up with that, uh, any complaint mm -hmm. I receive in that regard. Because uh, right now, in all the dioceses of the country, uh, we are relying on good medical advice about how we can do things while also observing correctly what we call the matter and form of the sacraments. You know, you can't take liberties with certain things about the, the validity of the sacraments, how they are administered, in what way. Uh, so we're working on it, and I would rather take a little more time uh, to do it uh, right rather than us have do something uh, and then wind up it being all pulled back again because there's a great outbreak of cases. Do you envision encouraging priests to celebrate Mass outside? Encourage? I'm waiting to hear what the pastors that I have appointed to this committee have to say. And I'll also be asking the Presbyteral Council, and maybe if I can, even our pastoral council of principally lay people uh, to, uh, uh, to reflect on, on this, what they think of what's being put forward. Outdoor masses are somewhat, uh, create their own problems. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bishop Cajano, I know, is doing this because he particularly, uh, in Bridgeport, there are a lot of uh, small church buildings. And uh, that means that uh, if you practice the social distancing, you can fit very few people in there. 
and that's why uh, he is more uh, open to having parking lot masses and such. But you know that 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 creates uh, challenges too. Not the least of which can be the weather. So we'll just have to uh, sort this all out as best we can. One of the things that Bishop Cajano is going to be doing is uh, inviting people to register for the masses. In other words, make an appointment to go to the mass. So I would either call and make an appointment or, or uh, use the Internet and let them know that I'll be coming to this particular mass on Sunday. And the purpose of that is to do contact tracing. Is that something that would be discussed among your I'm advisors? sure it will be on the committee, yes. They're very well aware of not only what Bishop Cajano has determined, but what's been discussed nationally, because it's a big national issue. It's not just uh, Connecticut. Yeah. So they're aware of all that. And uh, I must say that, again, I think part of it we're going to leave up to the pastors. I don't think we're going to have an absolute rule, uh, because parishes are very different and uh, I think uh, in size uh, and where they're located, and I think I, I want to personally don't want to make it an impossible situation for a local pastor that everything falls on him, you know, literally standing there with a police whistle at the door uh, and hand sanitizer. That's not going to that would create a, a huge uh, problem for the for the individual priest. That's not fair. But but by the same token, uh, we do have to have some a very uh, clear uh, uh, way of enforcing and, uh, the, the guidelines and creating a system where people can, can come to church. But the bottom line would be ensure the health and the safety of both parishioners and the priests celebrating there. Yes, you know, uh, I do not uh, subscribe to the belief that somehow our religious liberty is being infringed by these, uh, these closures temporary closures. Now, I will say that they could become an infringement if government tried to absolutely uh, uh, close churches for an unreasonable amount of time or anything like that. But, you know, Pope Francis himself has said that we should be obedient to these things for the common good. I I think that uh, to the extent that they're based on reason and they're for the facts and that they're uh, equally applied then uh, that that is not unreasonable. If the, if churches were singled out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if they start opening all the shopping malls uh, and restaurants, but say churches can't open, well, that that would be a different matter. Uh, but at this point, that's not what's being said. Amelia in Southington says, you worked at the Vatican with St. Pope John Paul II, and on May 18th, the world will be marking the 100th anniversary of his birth. Any observations about this remarkable man's life that you care to share with us this morning? Well, yes, uh, St. Pope John Paul uh, looms very large in my life and in my priesthood. I had the greatest uh, affection for him and admiration. He's really the, the, the Pope uh, who has shaped my episcopacy, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my understanding of the faith, my understanding of my responsibilities— of what where the church uh, needs to be headed, and uh, so uh, I have I'm privileged to have a, a, a relic, a first class relic of Pope John Paul that I mm. honor in my I honor him in my in my uh, own chapel, and uh, you can be sure that I I pray to him every day, and I will continue to do that, especially on that occasion. Archbishop, we've come to the end of our time together. Can you conclude the program with a prayer and a blessing? Lord, today we face uh, many challenges of illness and of our own 
a mental and spiritual uh, well-being as we endure the rigors of uh, confinement, of quarantine, of uh, social distancing, uh, the cancellation of so many of those events that we anticipate as part of our ordinary life. Uh, we ask you, Lord, to help us to make this time a time of real reflection and prayer, and above all, a time to be charitable toward one another uh, by our patience, our generosity, our concern for one another. And we ask you, above all, Lord, to remove this great pandemic from among us, this disease. You, Lord, were a healer, a healer of uh, both uh, body and soul in your earthly ministry, uh, Lord Jesus. And we ask you to heal us now and heal our world of all its ills, especially the, the coronavirus. And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Archbishop, thank you for inviting us into the Archbishop's Corner. We look forward to joining you next week. And until then, stay well, stay healthy. Thank you. You too.